It's time. Lions face the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday. Here's a quick rundown of what to expect from the Chiefs this week. Do you guys feel that? I know I've got goosebumps right here. Week one, baby. Week one. I'm not going to talk about the non-story of Isaiah Bugs' tweeting habits. I want to talk about the game. So let's go. Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is... The Detroit Lions Podcast. If you're listening to a podcast about a football team, I'm going to assume you know a few things about the Kansas City Chiefs. First, Patrick Mahomes is the best QB in the league. If you want to debate that with me, you're wrong, I'm right. Let's carry on. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the league, in terms of receiving. Out of blocker, nobody cares. <laughs> He's Mahomes' safety blanket. That's how their offense works. Nothing else really matters. They just won the Super Bowl. They're one of the best teams in the league. If you want to argue that... No, we're not going to do that. Um, but for a lot of you, I'm guessing that the ins and outs of other NFL franchises, off-seasons, aren't something that you religiously follow all that much. So I'm going to give you a bit of a rundown on the Lions' Week 1 opponents. The Chiefs suffered the fate of all Super Bowl champions, and this is just a universal fact. It's just the way things work. Uh, they downgraded some of their less important spots. It's just how that works. It's a matter of whether they've downgraded enough to matter that's up for debate this year. They did it last year. After not winning the Super Bowl, they downgraded a whole bunch of places with Tyreek Hill moving on, yada, 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 yada. This year, it's their offensive tackles that they've lost a few of. But the players aren't terrible, if that makes sense sense at all to you. Uh, they lost high-priced free agents, brought in some high-priced free agents, but those free agents aren't as good. Uh, the key with Patrick Mahomes is to keep him upright and uninjured, and the longer he is that, the longer you are basically invincible as an NFL team. Uh, the Lions need to get pressure on him. He's as tough as they come, so barring injury, I don't know if this offensive tackle deficiency is really going to matter all that much. The Chiefs wide receivers also kind of suck, but they don't really suck. Do you understand that distinction? Uh, none of them are great. <laughs> but they have five or six that are good. Like you got Sky Moore, who barely played in his rookie season, so we don't really know what he is. You've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, he's about as much of a one-beat drummer as exists. Like he... He does what he does, and he does absolutely nothing else. Kadarius Toney had surgery in the offseason and hasn't been playing in the preseason. Patrick Mahomes said earlier this week that uh, hopefully KT would be ready to go when he looks like himself at Chiefs practices. And Sunday, Andy Reid came out and said that Tony was good to go. Now, my guess is that he's going to be out there mostly as a decoy unless the Lions decide not to cover him on some go routes. Or routes, sorry. Pronounce this a little bit less Canadian. Uh, you know, he'll be out there opening up space for Travis Kelsey to annihilate the Lions' defense, and that is always one of the main goals of Kansas City. Like, if you don't cover him, they will throw him the ball. 
but the real reason he's there is to keep the safeties back. The line secondary actually matches up extremely well against the Chiefs receivers because they have no stud receiver. So someone like Cam Sutton is going to beat his guy almost every single time. Like if the Chiefs wide receiver one ends up at the end of the year having 200 fewer yards or 200 more yards than their wide receiver five, that would not really be shocking. Like they'll just have a whole bunch of guys in that like six to 800 yard region with nobody stepping out as their like 13, 14, 1500 yard guy. It's a room by committee and not a lot of teams have the DB group that's going to be capable of dealing with that committee particularly well. I actually think this year the Lions have a pretty reasonable shot at it. Uh, at the running back spots, the Chiefs have their full allotment of players available. That's last year's day three stud pick, Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, who Lions fans will probably remember because he spent his first four seasons with the Vikings as the receiving back. That's what he will do for them. And uh, Clive Edwards-Hilaire, the first round draft pick who has done very little to justify that draft spot since he was drafted, uh, is what it is. He's a good player. He's just hurt a lot, but he does bring some things to the table that could theoretically be problematic for a team that didn't have good linebackers. It's a good group, varied skill sets, and the Chiefs' interior offensive line is unfortunately not even remotely close uh, to the averageness <laughs> on their tackles. Uh, this is probably the best interior offensive line in the NFL, and it's kind of the thing that holds the entire Chiefs offense together outside of the obvious things that hold the Chiefs offense together. The Chiefs can run the ball when they want to. They don't often want to because why would you take the ball out of the hands of the best quarterback in the NFL? That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But Thune, Smith, and Humphrey are all elite players on the inside of the Chiefs line. So when they have to run the ball or when they are protecting the lead, they can. Like we all want Alim McNeil to be the three technique that makes us forget Ndamukong Sue. And Thursday's a great day for him to step up and, you know, reach that hope for us. Uh, but around him, there's a lot of young or unproven guys on the defensive line. And that could be why the Chiefs having a large number of kind of also rands at the skill positions won't end up mattering for their offense. If the Lions can't get to Mahomes or the middle is open for Mahomes to just avoid the outside pressure that the Lions edges do create, the Lions got to watch what that looks like a whole bunch of times last year. And at the defensive tackle spots, they're basically just running it back except for a third round rookie from a small school. Is that going to be enough to change the fate of the defense in this particular regard? I hope so. <laughs> I'm a Lions fan after all. I want the team to win games. You know, I'm the type of air quotes journalist because I am just straight up not a journalist. I, I am a fan of the game. I am a fan of the team. I want this team to win. Um, I don't like the way those two particular position groups line up. Our IDL versus their IOL is going to be a problem 
in my opinion. Basically, the Lions need to get pressure off the edges and they need to get enough pressure up the middle that it isn't just a wide open place for Patrick Mahomes to step into to avoid that outside pressure. Uh, the Chiefs have a new offensive coordinator, and it's a name that Lions fans will probably remember. Uh, Eric Bieniemy left. He saw he'd never be able to overcome the factors that were being held against him as the Chiefs offensive coordinator under Andy Reid looking for a head coaching job. Not going to go into what those are. We have a no politics rule at DLP. Uh, but Matt Nagy was somehow mysteriously able to overcome that same stigma of being a pseudo-offensive coordinator under Andy Reid. And he spent a few years ruining quarterbacks in Chicago as their head coach. We will all miss the Matt Nagy Chicago era forever. Uh, this offense is Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes makes every throw better than everybody else in the league makes it. And makes a whole bunch of them that almost nobody in the league can. Uh, and he's just mobile enough to be a problem. Like a lot of people think of Mahomes as one of these new wave athletic quarterbacks. Uh, that is just not the case. He is not fast. He is big and kind of hard to tackle, but he's frankly no faster than Jared Goff. He just runs more. It's more a part of his game to use what athleticism he does have. He's better at it. Uh, unless the Lions can figure out a way to make Mahomes life miserable. The improvements that they've made on the defense probably aren't going to matter that much this week. Uh, the linebackers are more athletic than Mahomes, but he doesn't run unless those linebackers have left the middle of the field available. That's that's his thing. He picks his spots, and he's athletic enough to make you pay when he picks the spot. Um, I would be expecting a lot of points from the Chiefs offense this week, uh, sadly. Like, I don't like saying things like that about the team I love, but... This Chiefs offense is going to be really hard to stop, and I am going to need to see the defense do it before I start predicting them doing it. But it's not the end of the world, because the Lions get to play offense too. The Chiefs defense is not the Chiefs offense, but they're not bad. The Chiefs' only superstar is not going to be there by all reports. Uh, Chris Jones is a problem the Lions won't have to solve. We can all be very happy about that. I actively encourage you, sir, in your attempt to reset the defensive tackle market. Stay strong. Uh, the rest of the Chiefs D-line are good, but not great. Uh, George Karlaftis is probably the guy on that D-line without Chris Jones there, but he had six last year, six sacks, that is, last year in his rookie season. Um, he's an athletic freak, but he was a rookie. And he's going to be the problem that the Lions need to solve on that defensive line this week. But if they can't handle that with Taylor Decker and Panay Sewell on the tackle spots, that would be a little bit surprising. The Chiefs have other good players, but they're not carrying the team. Uh, their off-ball linebackers are good, for example. Super deep and super talented. They got Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Drew Tranquil, Leo Chanel. Those are all guys who are going to get various jobs done in various ways. It's a nice toolbox to have at the linebacker spot. The Chiefs secondary is young, and I think they overachieved significantly last year. Their corners are all 2020 draft picks or later. Their outside guys definitely overachieved relative to their draft spot. That doesn't matter once you get into the league. But it could be a difficult thing for them to achieve what they achieved last year without that Chris Jones pressure coming up the middle making everybody's life easier. 
If the Lions can keep golf clean, they've got a chance. And a huge part of that is playing the down and distance game. Like any team can generate pressure on a quarterback if it's third and 15. Any team in the NFL can do that. That is a death sentence for non-mobile quarterbacks like Jared Goff. The Lions have to get a lot more third and shorts than third and longs. And that's basic football 101 stuff. But for the Lions, it's more important than it is for other teams. Steve Spagnuolo loves, and I mean loves, to blitz. Particularly, he loves to blitz defensive backs. Uh, The Chiefs were fifth in the NFL in blitz percentage last year. And unlike the offense, where the OC is secondary to the greatness of the quarterback, uh, Spagnuolo is actually the real star of the Chiefs' defense. Like Chris Jones is a great player, and he's a huge part of how the engine runs on defense for the Chiefs. But the guy who built the entire thing, knows how everything works, and makes sure everything is in the right spot, is their defensive coordinator. He will have watched every blitz pickup the Lions made last year. And he'll be throwing fire at the running backs, making their lives as difficult as possible. Like, this is the matchup of the week, as much as I... You know, everyone's all about Mahomes versus Goff, but this is Steve Spagnuolo versus Ben Johnson, and the winner of that probably determines who wins this game. I would expect because of that to see a lot more of David Montgomery on third down if the Lions are using the running backs as blitz pickup. Frankly, hanging a rookie like Gibbs out to dry would be a huge mistake in that role. But there's another way to handle that, and it's to just play into that. Like blitzing defensive backs means uncovered receivers and holes in zones. Getting Jameer Gibbs uncovered should be a goal when he's on the field of the offense. Uh, getting him into space is just a big, a massive play waiting to happen. Not just a 20-yard chunk, but a 60-yard touchdown. That's the difference this year and last year. You know, we all watched the offense run through the running backs last year. Uh, That's probably not going to change very much, and the running backs are better, and they're more dangerous. But I'm hoping to see a lot of empty backfield stuff from the Lions this week. It's tough to hide defensive back blitzes when everyone has a guy to cover, and when Jared Goff knows where the blitzes are coming from, he does eat them. Their secondary tends to play in cover two, four, or six behind those blitzes to try to limit big plays. Uh, That's keeping two safeties deep, splitting the field. Those are the three. If it's an even number that the coverage is being called out, it generally will have two safeties, each manning half of the field, just making sure nothing really bad happens. As a general rule for anyone who doesn't understand coverages. Uh, The Lions are going to miss having having JMO week one. Uh, But I would expect to see Khalif Raymond running downfield a lot to keep those safeties honest. If they don't cover him, he'll get the ball. <laughs> but he's just going to be opening up space for Amon Ross St. Brown and Sam Laporta and all of the other Lions players that need that space to be opened up to get the work done. I would probably put Marvin Jones in that category at this point. I don't know how much he's going to be doing. That used to be his job was to be the deep guy who kept underneath open for everybody else. 
uh, with Gibbs as the other extremely fast guy on the Lions position group. Uh, one of the ways that Ben Johnson could be using him that is supposed to surprise everybody could be on go routes. Uh, he's a good enough receiver that if they don't cover him on that or they have a linebacker out there and there is no over-the-top safety help, that would be an easy way to get a touchdown because there are not a lot of linebackers in the league that could pull that. Spagnuolo's entire philosophy is based on creating third and long scenarios and then launching an all-out assault at the quarterback from those scenarios. That is what the Lions have to avoid. And the key to that is first down success. Which, like, that doesn't mean mindlessly running the ball for two to four yards on first and second down so that you get into third and three. Goff will very likely have a cleaner pocket just throwing the ball on first down two. Uh, this isn't a game where the Lions need to be conservative and try to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. They need to come out of the gate hot, and they need to punch the Chiefs in the mouth. So, to reiterate, keys for the Lions. Defense needs to get pressure on Mahomes without leaving the middle of the field wide open. They also need to find a way to cover the Chiefs deeper than great receiver group. Like I'd expect a heavy dose of CJ Gardner-Johnson and Branch on the field at the same time in the nickel packages uh, with CJ as a deep safety and uh, Branch in the nickel. The game will very likely hinge on Jerry Jacobs' ability to cover Valdez Scanling, honestly. Uh, but if they leaned entirely on veteran players in this week, that would be pretty shocking to me. There's kind of a mindset of this is going to be a huge game, the lights are bright, don't make a rookie's first game be this scenario in Arrowhead. And don't. I have had that thought process a couple of times. I probably said something to that effect at some point on this podcast that like you could see, and it's applicable to most rookies. There are some, however, that I don't think need you to hold their hand quite that much. Branch, for example, is no stranger to that spectacle after having spent his college career in Alabama. No brighter lights than the national championship game or the college playoff or the SEC championship game. Like these are all games that this man has been playing in for his entire college career. So walking into Arrowhead, while it is louder, while there are more lights, there's a lot more TV stuff taking you out in the flow of the game. None of it's something that he has not been prepared for. And I'd say the same with Jameer Gibbs. Uh, branch in the game as much as possible is, is one key for the defense. Another key is going to be rolling the pass rushers early. Uh, they need to keep guys fresh to the end. A uh, thousand snaps of Aiden Hutchinson this year would be a terrible thing for this defense uh, because it would be an indicator that the rest of the edges did not live up to the bill. Like Hush Harris, Okwara, Houston should be problems for these offensive tackles. And when you add the commissioner, Josh Pascal in there to do some of the dirty work, handle some of the heavier lifting, that tackle weakness that this offense does have is the best opportunity for the Lions to exploit anything about this Chiefs offense. To use a hockey term, AG needs to roll the Lions this week. Offensively. 
This is the most obvious thing I will probably ever say on this podcast, but the Lions need to exploit the lack of Chris Jones. Uh, The gut is open, and they need to throw some shots at it. And on that note, I'm expecting two things from Jameer Gibbs. I mentioned outside receiver is a spot where the Lions could be very creative. Ben Johnson said that they were going to use him in ways that he didn't think people would expect. Outside receiver is a spot I do not expect Jameer Gibbs to spend a lot of time. But if they came out the gate and made that something that teams had to prepare for for the rest of the year, even if they don't win this game that way, just the fact that they have to look at it every single week and spend practice time on it is an advantage I could see the Lions trying to grab here. Another way, I don't think enough people are expecting is just straight up the gut on first down. Like, Jameer Gibbs is a guy where if you give him a hole up the middle, he is through it in an instant. The Lions have a top five offensive line and an attack with Gibbs relying on exploiting that lack of Chris Jones in the middle of the field shouldn't surprise anybody. Gibbs is elite at breaking tackles on that second level and you can get him there in the air with a clever passing play or just by opening a hole in the middle of the defense like a can opener and getting him to the safeties. Like, I'd expect Montgomery to handle all of the short yardage work, all the, like, power back stuff. But on first and second down, like, Gibbs is not theoretic. He's not Amir Abdullah. This is more of, like, a Jevin Best, to use a Lions reference, uh, you know, just getting kind of old at this point. I don't know how many of our listeners actually saw Javid Best play or have anything other than a one video highlight film, <laughs> which basically shows his five great carries as a pro. Uh, Chris Johnson, not that any of you guys old enough to remember CJ2K. But even if you just go to YouTube and watch Javid Best's college highlights, it's not a bunch of guy making a cut behind the line and running outside. It is a lot of runs where he hits the hole way faster than it looks like it running back reasonably should be able to. And he's passed the linebackers into the back, into that defensive backfield immediately. Uh, beyond that, it's all about golf for the offense, like against the chiefs this week, turnovers are death. Uh, but if he's waiting for guys to get wide open, other than St. Brown, he could have a painful, extremely long wait ahead of him. Uh, the lines have to keep him clean and they need to get guys open. And Ben Johnson and Hank Fraley have shown an ability to get their guys to do both of those things. But with Steve Spagnuolo's defense in front of them, elaborate set pieces could result in a lot of hits for Jared Goff. And over the course of the season, Goff looks a little bigger this year, if I'm going to be honest. like He looks like he tried to put on some weight to maybe not be in as much pain. Uh, That's probably a good thing for him. You want to avoid blindside hits on him. Which takes me to the real key to both of those things offensively. And that is the offensive line. The line needs to be as they've been billed to be. The opening snack of Thursday's game is going to be the first time this group has actually played together. And they've all been on the roster the entire time that this regime has been there. Not a single snap together until this week, Thursday. Knocked on some wood. Hopefully that doesn't set my dogs off. This is the first time nobody's been out injured. If the offensive line can actually live up to the billing that it's had preseason for the last two years, this is going to be a good game and a good year. I know I'm definitely ready for some football. Have a great day. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go.
You've had enough of that shit.